Hello and welcome to season two, episode nine of Duelist Community. I will be playing the part of Andrew today. And for convenience, I will continue to play the part of Ray. Today, we are joined by uh, Suzanne Non-Duality. Uh, Suzanne's going to tell us a little bit about the character that she plays, um, how she came to this part of her journey, and of course, what drives her a little bit. Suzanne, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'd love for you to introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, nice to be here. Um, hmm, introduce myself. Oh, God, what to say? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I guess... I guess, yeah, this character has just been on a spiritual journey for like eight, nine years or so. Um, but it's only recently, very recently that like I heard the radical non-dual message. And I would say within like a couple months, um, there was this like dropping of a me sense, like a, a center, an individual in the body. So then with the dissolving of that, it's seen that it was never really there and there was never any real separation. So there was never a me and there was never a you. And so then, so then the life of Suzanne, the story of Suzanne dissolved with it. But um, that didn't mean that a grieving process didn't happen. Like it felt as if a real loss or a death happened, but it's also seen that there was never a life. There was never a person that um, had anything to begin with. So it's very ironic. It's very, it's, it's a paradox. Um, yeah. So then, yeah, I just uploaded videos on YouTube for fun and um, yeah, just, I don't know, just seeing how it goes, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I resonate quite closely with that, especially just the last few months part of it, because I think that's been a similar time frame for myself. And to say that it hasn't been turbulent would be a complete and total lie, for sure, as Ray can attest to. I, we text all the time about it, and I, I've sort of felt like I've gotten on the other side of it, though it's still a moment to moment process and, and dealing with, especially in the society we live in, I think with, with so much identity involved, but yeah. And there was a point that I texted Ray. I, I wish I had never come across this understanding. I really wish that I hadn't. And I actually just got done listening to your talk with uh, Leonard from spontaneous miracles. And you mentioned that during that sort of process of understanding there's a part of you that was like i wish i never knew that why is ever why is anyone talking about this this is such a jarring and and horrible message almost for the for the me for the for the person it's the worst thing they can come across because it's basically the death of it so there's so much resistance and so yeah i resonate with that a lot but i would love to just hear about that process going through it because there was it was a process for sure to say the least for me yeah yeah oh man um what was it like um yeah it was really devastating because the identity had become a very spiritual identity and it was really good at meditation it loved yoga um 
not that any, any of that can't continue. It's just that she wanted that to be her thing and like, you know, teach it and share that. Um, but when this, when this message was heard, it was just so clearly seen like, shit, like no one here is doing anything. And um, I, I can't continue with these practices anymore. I can't even believe in them anymore. So everything started dropping just on its own. And then, and then the character in a way, I, I think a misinterpreting kind of happens as well sometimes, a lot of times. So there was like binge watching Netflix and just like not giving a shit a little bit. Um, but I mean, that kind of, that kind of settled down on its own because the body just didn't want to be so addicted to things, you know, it's not, it's not preferred to be like that. So then that settled and um, yeah, it's, I'm kind of forgetting, but I, I guess eventually it just seemed like the me isn't really here, even though it can feel really real. It's not here. It doesn't have any free will. It can't make this happen because nothing's going to happen. There's already no separation. It just might feel as if there is. Um, and it's either going to happen or it's not. So there was a kind of giving up that happened, but the, but the person didn't do it. It was, it was just, um, it was just a letting go that happened and it didn't mean that life stopped. It meant that life just continued because it just does that. And um, yeah, eventually it just became more clear. Like there was no center here, no location. Everything became even and there was just an equality to everything no difference between anything. Um, everything was real and unreal, appearing yet it was absolutely empty. Um, yeah, and there were remnants of, of habitual things like, is this it? Am I awake? Um, but I mean, that, you know, settled as well. And that was also just this, it's just energy. So um, yeah, nothing was really taking, taking that seriously. Um, and it just didn't matter anymore, whether it happened or not. It's just like, just is what it is. That's interesting for sure. No, I, I it's an interesting transition because there's always the I, there's always the experience of I, regardless if we believe in it or not. I mean, it's, it's the foundation of our experience at the end of the day. And, and as much as the character I doesn't exist, the will that we embody or the will that we reflect is always in action. It's always in motion and there is no disconnection whatsoever. So that, that experience of kind of transitioning to a point on a linear line to just a point drifting in nothingness um, can be a little off-putting for people. I know that's something over the last 20 years of my life that I've been, been working towards, um, I guess, distilling down to uh, language that, that can communicate to people from one end to the other without necessarily sounding like I'm quite so far away uh, in, in, on that other uh, perspective, which I know is always here and now, but it's, again, it's, it's the capacity for us to understand or see it or be aware of it that changes our own experience. So on your journey, 
were there any certain tools that you developed in order to, to help yourself through that transition? Because again, like as we start to lose the motivators that were hooked up to the illusion of me, there is still the, the experience of enthusiasm. There is the, the, still the experience of drag when we're holding on to too many things. And so um, what tools did you develop for yourself or, or little things that maybe you would rely upon on different parts of your journey that we could pass on to other people who are going through this right now? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I just want to also mention that there, there's no, there's not really a point here floating in nothing. So it's, it's, if it's really difficult to explain because there's, so there, it seemed like experiencing is not here anymore. There's no experiencer. It, before I would have said this, there's just experiencing, but I can't even say that anymore. It's just what's happening. It's just full on immediate what it is. So it, it's, it doesn't even feel as if there's sensing, like no one is looking, no one is touching, no one is feeling. It's just full on this unknown mystery, no separation, no boundary all pure energy so um yeah i can't say there's a point or a location no, no space or time um so yeah i mean when the dissolving of the me seemed to be happening i kind of there was like a going back to my teacher a bit because this this message was so terrifying that there was just a lot of fear coming up. And my teacher was very comforting. You know, she, she just has like a very like, uh, like it's just peaceful being in her presence. So I would actually just go back to her even though her teachings didn't resonate anymore. Um, like I would listen to this radical non-dual message and then there would just be a lot of discomfort and just fear and terror sometimes. So then I would just go back to my teacher and even though it didn't make sense anymore, because what she was speaking about was very dualistic. It was very, you have free will. And, um, but even so, I, I think just energetically, it just felt very comforting. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I don't know, nothing was really that practiced because it was just seen like whatever's happening is just happening and no one is doing it. Um, so if, if there's what you can call like feeling the feeling, just being with what it is, that didn't even make sense anymore. It just, it just was full on anxiety. It was just full on fear. Um, so it wasn't like anyone was feeling it anymore necessarily. It was just full on what it was. Yeah. It's, it's like, it seems like, you know, when there isn't any more me left, there's not that feeler that is feeling the feeling almost. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's just the feeling that is there. And, and there's like no one there to, to feel it, but it, it exists still. And, and I definitely got caught up going back and forth between, you know, 
should I do anything? Like, is it wrong to exist in the illusion of duality fully and, you know, set goals and strive for things and do things. And I got caught up thinking that, you know, I shouldn't do that. And I got caught up in thinking that there, that's still within the realm of like should and shouldn't, which also doesn't exist. It's just sort of, and, and so instead of, because there were times when I would want to set a goal or I would want to strive for something or accomplish something in the eyes of society or the world. And then I would think that I shouldn't. And so I resisted certain kind of natural feelings of, of that sort of flow. And then I realized, oh, I'm just doing the same thing that I was doing before, but on the other side of it. So I was still caught up in thinking there was a should or shouldn't, as opposed to just the doing, just the experience. And so, yeah, I think, especially, you know, there, I think there's certain groups of people that, that, I don't know, I don't want to say like extreme, but like the very, very raw non-dualistic message resonates with, but a lot of people need a sort of a bridge to get there, certainly. And I think that's where we're, where we try and like intertwine it, like understanding that this is an illusion, but still that there is the experience of the observer and the observed. And, and there is the dualistic experience without taking it to be the truth. And I think that's where the understanding lies is, is whether or not it's almost like whether or not you take all of this very seriously or not very seriously. And so you can still sort of exist in duality and be sort of, I guess, an experiencer or, or a point without taking it to be who you are, understanding that's not actually you, but it's, it's more of out of convenience. Like we talk about that a lot. Like, you know, we all have names because if you were, there was a group of people and you wanted to point someone out and just said, Hey, you, everyone turns around and it's like, oh shit. Well, that's, that's not super helpful. I, I wanted to talk to Andrew or Ray or Suzanne. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just been coming back to the understanding that, and I still get caught up in thinking that it isn't an illusion, but remembering that it is helps sort of relax any feelings of, of worry or fear that still arise, realizing that, you know, it's, it's not that serious. And by that, it's like anything, everything, nothing, all of it and none of it simultaneously. It's a lot like dancing that way in that. It's just what you're doing, what you, what you are, or the expression that you, that you're embodying, right? And the more you think about it, the more you kind of get in your own way, but the less you, you think about it, the less you interfere, the more fun you have, or the more enthusiasm you can experience, or the more enthusiasm is embodied. It's language as always is rather fun. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess I am kind of remembering like, when I was listening to the radical message, that's like, it cuts through everything. It doesn't give you anything. It doesn't, it's not directed to the me. So it's so brutal. Um, I, I remember reading Ramesh Balsaker's book of uh, who cares. And it just says that do what you want, knowing that there's no one doing it. So as long as there's a sense of me, it will feel as if you're doing it. And there's nothing right or wrong with it. There, there's nothing you can do about that. So 
I guess if you can say something was practice, that was kind of like reading that book just instilled in me that. And, um, but how I would describe it now is like, since no one here is doing anything, um, it's just full on what it is. So, so there can be what we call thoughts and emotions and actions, but those are just words and descriptions. And it's, it's full on just, there's no progression, there's no cause and effect. So it's, there's no, there's no real experience of a person doing or feeling or thinking anything. It's, it's just, it's just what it is. So, um, yeah, there's no one here maintaining anything. It's, it's, um, Yeah, no, no one here is like, is, is the witnesser of anything or observing anything, observing any doing, thinking, or, or feeling. Um, yeah, so I can't even say it's the flow of life. It's so, it's so not in time. It's so, it's so immediately just vibrant aliveness um and no one is here witnessing or observing anything i get that on the other hand everyone is here witnessing and observing everybody because it's all the same awareness right it's all the same nothing experiencing itself however you'd like to, to describe it this is where words kind of get in the way right is that we can say that no one is here experiencing, but then that invalidates the experience that we're obviously communicating or having, or just the idea of us talking and, and experiencing language as a whole. And so as much as that's true, as much as there is no duality, there is still the experience of duality. There is still the experience of myself versus my reality that I'm experiencing. And regardless of, of how much I get out of the way and recognize that isn't there, it's still the basis of my experience and it's fun when I recognize that, when I don't take it as truth, when I don't take it as kind of like a dream in the same way. If I don't take the dream as being real, then it becomes something I can work with and have a, and enjoy more and, and ex experience or explore or do any of those, or rather I can have the experience of there being a me to explore that dream because of course neither exists, right? But it's interesting because you're right, there is no one experiencing. On the other hand, there's just one exp one experiencing and it's every experience. And there's no one because there's no two, there's no other, right? So this is where language always falls short of us. So it's interesting that we, we try to have this converse conversation about what is, but we're having the conversation using concepts and words that are not, right? So we're always just pointing at the truth. We're always pointing at the reality. We're always pointing at, at uh, the insight, as it were, rather than ever communicating it. That's why I liked Krishnamurti's expression that uh, the... The messenger is always a traitor because regardless of how we try to communicate it, it's always coming across dualistically. It's always coming across in terms of language. And so it's really up to the perceiver or the person that we're talking to, however you want to describe them, to take it into the best of their ability. So yeah, just live it, be yourself, recognize it to the greatest of your degree. And as much as we have no influence and nothing is, is nobody's doing anything, there is still movement that we experience within the whole. And, and that's paradoxical in itself. Yeah, I think too, just with 
everything comes back to how you define yourself sort of is what I've found. And, you know, initially when I realized that I'm not Andrew, I'm not this character or the story, I, I, the first recognition I had was I was, I was worrying about all these things that happened in the past, worrying about them happening again in the future. And I realized, you know, I recognized I don't, I don't have a past. And I imagined for a second that I didn't have a past and I was just aware right now, that's it without any past. Like I actually didn't have any experiences before this moment and it felt really good and it felt really free and very light. And then it hit me like, you know, if I'm not my past, if my past doesn't exist, then and Andrew, this idea of Andrew is, is nothing more than everything leading up to this moment, this, this awareness right now, then maybe I'm not Andrew. Maybe I'm just aware of this sort of character and its environment and, you know, what is. And I, I sort of lived in that for a couple of months. And then it wasn't until I started talking to Ray Moore, because that, that sort of awareness of Andrew was still very egotistical and still very dualistic because it was still... Sub subject to a specific point, but without, without the definition of myself or the identification with Andrew, it was like, well, there's no longer a limit. It's like, I went from being in a really small pool of just being Andrew with this idea of this character to being the awareness of Andrew, which is like, you know, a little bit bigger, a little bit more aware. But then when I recognized that without that identity, it's like, there is no pool. It's, it's like a edgeless sort of pool. And without that specific identification, that means there are no bounds. And that means that I am existence itself. And it went to this sort of, Ray's used this analogy before, like a sort of tapestry almost that everything that he, here and now is just a tapestry. And there is no separation between me and you or anyone else, but we are still, it's like we're threads on the tapestry that have a sort of, you know, spotlight. I think Alan Watts used the term like spotlight versus floodlight consciousness. And we have this sort of spotlight consciousness as much as we don't exist, these characters, there is still this sort of semblance of specific movement almost. And it's, it's, you know, like reality, like Ray was saying, reality isn't words. So it's, it's really, really fucking tough to put this stuff into words and express reality in words because like it just is that's kind of what I come back to but I think you're recognizing that there is no me there is no identity kind of breaks down any barriers you have between yourself like so many people get caught up thinking they end at their skin but without that then all of a sudden you're just sort of moving with everything. And there isn't anything for you when you see yourself as the same sort of present awareness as everything and everyone in this moment, only ever experiencing this moment. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to put into words, but it's definitely much more of a much more free experience, but it's also like with that sense of self, that has all of the fear and all of the worry. There are also people don't tell you there's not that other side of it that like built up egotistical, like feel better about things and use my ego and get pats on the back and like, oh, good job, Andrew, you're doing such a good job, you know, communicating this stuff. It's like there is no Andrew. And if I cling to it on one side and, and feel good when people pat me on the back, 
it's the same sort of double-edged sword that feels bad about the, you know, when I worry about something happening to Andrew. So, you know, to let go of the one side, you have to let go of the other. And I think that was the more difficult side of it was the letting go of, of that positive side of identification, because you see that it's the same, it's the same thing. It's identity is the root of any worry, any fear that we come across. And, and without that, there isn't anything to worry about. There's also nothing to strive for externally for any reason, but there's still the ability to do so without any sense of value derived from it or tied to it. Um, so that's, that's sort of what I've, what I've come to now, but it's definitely still just like a, a process of, of letting go every moment. And it's not like, you know, the ego death that people describe it's, it's like a every moment sort of thing, because there is no ego death. If, if you kill your ego, you just said you, or I had an ego death. It's like, you just said, I that's, that's the ego right there. So it's, uh, it's interesting. It can be difficult to try and communicate for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, I, so I wouldn't use the word awareness just because, um, the, the, so the sense of me is a whole body contraction that is very difficult to really know exactly what it is because you don't know that it's there until in a way it's gone. So what can happen is that when you do practices of awareness or when there's a concept and belief that everything is awareness, that you are awareness or all of existence is awareness, it seems as, at least here, it seems like the sense of me, which is just an energetic contraction everywhere, it can identify as awareness, as this bigger consciousness. So in a way, it, it kind of, it's relatable to that sense of me. So it, it's, um, it, it can identify as it, and it doesn't know that it's doing that. Um, at least that's what's seen here. And so I wouldn't use the word awareness to describe this. I, I would just say words that are more um, not easily identifiable, like empty fullness or nothing everythinging or full-on immediate vibrancy. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I... I get that for sure. I think that's just coming back to the the language piece of it and just doing our best to communicate this understanding of reality just being what is. And I think different words sort of resonate for different people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I, I definitely understand what you're saying. And like, you know, we talk about this all the time. And I think it's, again, it's, it's tough to communicate this, you know, sense of, of reality and, and what, what we, we, there's not even a, we, because there is no separation and that's sort of implied in, in that statement even, but 
yeah it's uh i get it for sure but it's it's can be tough to to get across in words and in language <laughs> it's like nothing ever does it justice so well, we can find certain words that maybe some feel are closer than others none of them are it so that's i think it's more so almost the conversations being had than specific words that are chosen for it in a way yeah well absolutely the, the description's never the described right so while we can identify with awareness we can also identify with with emptiness, we can, we can identify with any concept and, and misinterpret the hell out of it to, to any degree that we like. I tend to use awareness because it's, it's something that exists without necessarily the capacity for thought, right? DNA has awareness in the most rudimentary sense. There is a awareness of the reality that it's experiencing, but that is not awareness that comes from an eye as so much as just reality being what it is and our, our experience of it, we would call it awareness. And so I typically, use the word awareness as kind of a, a non-point in, in that you're not trying to get anywhere. It's just your default state when you're not. It's just what you are um, in that it's the experience you have. That's it. And, and it's not that you can identify with that because we're not saying what awareness is other than just the perceived separation between an observer and an observed. That's all it is, right? So striving for that doesn't work, but recognizing that that's always the state that you're coming from kind of allows us to, to separate from that character to some degree. And so it's something that I've used, I think over time in life coaching because it's an easy bridge. Consciousness I found to be a harder bridge because people tend to think of human consciousness, how humans think in terms of thought and concepts and everything else. Um, awareness, you can really drill that down, down to plants and, and everything else, right? Just this, the state of being aware in general. And so I think that's the tool that I've more or less resonated with or used over time, just because I found it makes that bridge really easy. Um, how are you finding that in terms of communicating this in your day-to-day -day life? I don't know what you do outside of, of your YouTube channel, but when you're talking to people about this, do you find that they're, they're resonating well with the, the message that everything is emptiness or that, that you know, nothing is what, would, what it appears to be, everything just is? How are you finding uh, that comes up in conversations or in your relationships? Well, I don't talk about this at all. Well, unless um, people contact me through YouTube, I'm happy to chat, but uh, with friends and family, no. Unless, unless they're really interested and they bring it up, but otherwise um, there's no interest here in, uh, yeah, there's just normal conversation, honestly, that happens. I, I can talk about Netflix shows and whatever they're interested in or whatever problem they have, but there's no interest here in, um, um, yeah, it, it's just that, it's just that the, this radical non-dual message can be so threatening and I wouldn't want to force that on anyone. So um, it's not an easy message to hear and I'm aware of that. So um, yeah, that's just how I go about it, I guess. That's fair. That's very much what I was saying earlier, the last 20 years, just trying to um, smooth out those edges, just because I'm interested in this stuff. I love talking about it. And it's not necessarily trying to get as deep as I can, but there, there's all kinds of, of different levels and scales 
to this insight that are applicable in, in everything, whether you're dealing with self-doubt or you're trying to get a new job or there's just so many insights that are along the spectrum of I'm not what I think I am. Um, so that's just a conversation I, I tend to have, not, not deliberately. I won't go into a conversation saying, hey, you're not what you think you are. But when people talk to me in general, when they're going through a breakup, when they're going through something in their life or just you know frustrated, going through doubts, stuff like that, there are insights that that kind of pop out as a result of, of the perspective I find myself in. And uh, communicating at that point, communicating those insights at one point was very difficult for me because again, there was that whole, this is not an easy conversation to take. And I didn't understand necessarily how to bridge that gap or at least how to use language that was more familiar to them and less familiar to me. Like it, language that was indicative of the direction without necessarily being what I would count as a roadmap in that direction or a pointer in that direction. So yeah, it became suddenly from talking about, you know, what is, I would talk about, you know, the benefits of just getting out of your own way or talking about God. I would talk about uh, just the benefits of questioning your assumptions, things like that, bringing people back to a state of presence. And so I, I found that to be a toolkit that kind of unpacked over time. Um, but that, that's interesting that, that you don't necessarily bring it up with friends or, or, or family members, things like that. Um, do you find that as you've learned more about this, that some people in your life have just naturally started to become more interested as a result of, of the uh, insights you embody? Honestly, I don't, I don't, I'm not in close contact right now with people from the parent past. I'm, I'm so, I'm so busy with YouTube and I'm, quite happy with the interactions that are happening here. So I do talk about this often when people contact me. Um, yeah, the, the thing is when I, was, when I was on a spiritual path, there was a lot of talk about awareness and being present and in the moment, but that's all seen to be within the dream, within the realm of the me. And there's no more desire to, um, share that because it doesn't resonate anymore there's no one here to be present there's no one here that's aware so it in the dream it can feel very real that you are aware you can be aware of your thoughts and your feelings and be present and be in the moment and there's nothing right or wrong with it it's it can be a really helpful tool for the person and it can produce peace and things like that so i'm not denying that but it is within the dream. It is within the illusion. So it doesn't resonate anymore to, yeah, use that language or give that kind of pointing or um, method or teaching anymore. I was more or less talking about as a, as a byproduct of your own, say, state of being as a whole, not necessarily as a teaching or anything. Oh, I, I don't generally refer to, to teachings or spiritual spirituality as a whole. I, I meant just in terms of a genuine action of empathy, just going through the journey when you're talking to somebody and you recognize, oh, I recognize that that extra weight. And, and then you just communicate where that extra weight was in, for your own life. It's not necessarily something you're doing deliberately. You're not out there trying to preach or, or, or um, standing on a soapbox so much as just the action of actual clarity and empathy in the moment when it happens. Mm -mm. Yeah, I guess that can happen here. Things are said um, to, I guess, to provide comfort and stuff, but yeah. Yeah, I'm curious with talking about like the dream, being in the dream or outside of the dream, kind of to me seems like a little bit dualistic also, that there is 
separation between that. And I don't know what I found with, with these conversations is like, whether you believe this is all dream and understand that it's not that serious or you don't, there's no difference there either. Like there isn't two worlds or two realities. There's only individual illusion perception of the illusion of duality within this reality and understanding whether it is or it or it isn't so i'm curious when you say like you know those things the present moment is within the dream what is then not the dream or you know outside of said dream in that way because you know the present moment the words the and present and moment aren't the present moment and they're not reality. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're, they're only pointers to the ineffable, you know, as they say, or, or God as the ineffable, what can't be described, what can't be said. So nothing is, it's like everything is within the dream, but it's, but it's not because it's, because it is a dream, but yeah, I'm just curious your thoughts on on some of that. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good question because you're right. The way that I just described it, it seemed like there was this me that was separate from this wholeness. It just, so the wholeness, the me sense is this. So it, it's just a description of what is seen when this energetic contraction dissolves, there is no more time, there is no more present moment, there is no more now, because it's just infinity. It's just beginning and end simultaneously. It's, this is, in, this is total unknowing. Um, it's, it's just the end of, of progression and cause and effect, which can't be understood. It's, this can't be grasped by the mind. So it's, there's just a description of what is seen by no one that all of that dissolves. Awareness, presence, um, doership, like all of it collapses. and this, it's such a, it's such a radical message. It's such a disturbing and confronting. Um, it's a very radical way of, I guess, communicating. Um, and it gives, it gives the me nothing. It's not talking to the me. It's talking to no one. Um, and it's, it's saying that no one gets enlightened. No one wakes up because there's only enlightenment and the me, the me cannot be there to experience the absence of itself. And, and so it, it really can't do or not do anything to get to already this. I mean, yes, again, the, the me sense is this. So whether it drops or not, it doesn't really matter because it's already this, it's already home. It's already perfection. It's already this total emptiness that's inclusive of everything, including duality, apparent duality. 
Um, that, that's interesting. It's just that there is that, that kind of duality. And I've often looked at it as that what is is not the experience, but what is includes experience, right? Like it, it, that, that's the whole thing is that it is what it is. We are not what we perceive ourselves to be. We're not separate. We're not, we know all of that stuff, but that doesn't change the experience. Like the experience is still eternal. The experience is still all that ever will be. Every variation of it through all different levels of observer and observed expressed over, you know, space and time and all that other fun stuff. But at the end of the day, something somebody said to me when I was about my mid twenties, because I was all about this conversation on the deep end all the time. And somebody said, you know, there's a such thing as being heavenly minded, but no earthly good. And I really took that in because yeah, this, this is all great stuff. It's great to know what is versus, you know, the illusion. It's great to understand that you're part of a dream or, or whatever you'd like to call this or any of that. But when you're dealing with your day-to-day -day life, when you're going through your experience, when you're, you're interacting with other people, is that a feeling that's genuine? Is it something that's actually happening, right? Do you, can you feel those other people is connected to you, right? Or is it just conceptual that we're not, we're, we're nothing, this isn't real, blah, blah, blah. And, and I find a lot of people get stuck on that point in the same way as when I was taking Kung Fu, there was the structure, the movements and everything else to learn. But then there was the actual sensitivity to what was happening. And that didn't develop until much later after you kind of got the structure down. And then all of a sudden it was about what you were feeling rather than just conceptually understanding. And I, I find that that's where things started to change for me, where it became not necessarily about the words I was using so much as what I was being or, or, or the, the level, not even level, but the state of mind I, I just found myself existing within. So it's weird because as much as there is this insight where it's like, okay, there is no me, there's nothing. It's just one thing. There's no edges. There's no borders. There's nothing. There is on the same level that that responsibility for the fact that we're what's happening, right? We're the, the movement of what is, however we might think about it or, or interpret it, it's happening. And, and so it's just interesting to see how, as we be a light onto ourselves, as Krishnamurti would say, the, the distortion we experience or, or the distortion that we embody or, or experience or live through um, changes. And all of a sudden the impact that we have on, on quote unquote, other characters or other people changes as well. I'm just wondering, have you found that in yourself? Like when you are dealing with something in your day-to-day -day life or somebody who is, let's just say egotistical, somebody who's firmly rooted in the illusion. Do you find yourself still kind of going, right, that's not actually happening? Or, or is it more or less just letting it happen and then flowing along with it as it does? Mm, yeah, that's a really great question. Um, so it's, um, so I, I feel like there's a little bit of a, this, this message is so, so radical that it, it's not referring to the, the, the me or the character that is, that is apparently, you know, going about life and apparently interacting and all of that stuff. So in one sense, the, the radical message is just a description of what it's like without the me sense. So it can sound very dismissive of the person, of, of the me that is, or let's, let's not say the me. So even if the sense of me dissolves, there's still this apparent character with 
um, all of these tendencies, but it's also nothing appearing as this character. So this character can have preferences of not wanting to see another person suffer. And so something can happen. Words can be said, action can apparently be done. So that can all happen. And there's a preference here to spread more of the positive rather than doing harm to others. So that can, that still continues. That's part of the conditioning here. And that's preferred, that's encouraged, but it's not necessarily better or worse than the quote unquote bad because um, what's seen here is that within the play of everything, it's just, it's, it's just full on what it is. And there's never really gonna be just the good. So there's this seeing like, it's the full on spectrum of everything and anything. And again, if there's murder, there's a preference here to not see someone harmed. There can be words and actions that take place, but it's, it has nothing really to do with the message, the radical message, which is saying that there is no one there. There's, there's actually no one who is in the body being a murderer. Like that is just what is happening. And this can be really misinterpreted by the person and taken, um, it could be very offensive, but the message is the saying like, there's no one in the body and there is no body. It's, it's nothing appearing as this apparent body that has this conditioning and these preferences and characteristics. Um, this, this is like the destruction of everything. It's birth and death at the same time. This is nonsense. It, it can't really be understood. No, but it can be embodied and expressed. And, and, and I guess that that's the point is after a certain point of, of going through this process, it's just what you are, right? And, and I think it's interesting because you, you, you say that uh, this message isn't for, for the eye, but mm. there would be no message without the eye. Right, like it, the eye and the message necessitate one another because without the eye, there's no message to give, right? And so it, it kind of goes, you know, part and parcel. They're 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 both the same thing. So no matter what the message, if it, no matter how you deliver the message, it will always be received by an eye, regardless of the fact that it's expressing what I is not. Mm, um, I I would say that yes, the, the, the sense of me can hear and interpret this message, but it's really a resonance. It's really no one talking to no one. It's nothing speaking about nothing. So no um, message. Mm. Because for the message to be, there has to be a listener, right? Um, well, there's, there's an apparent, apparent brain that can have all these functions and um, There's the experience of the listener. I, I guess that's what I'm saying is that as much as none of us are what we're experiencing, we are what we're experiencing, right? Like as much as it's not what is, it is all what is, right? Like the experience of, the experience of being Ray isn't the reality of what I am, but it's the reality that I experience, right? The perceptions that I have of Ray are the reality that I experience. And according to how clear I am about how much of an illusion this is, that experience changes. The interactions I have change, right? Like we were saying how um, 
spreading positive messages, quote unquote, is a preference. But positivity and negativity don't exist outside of, of the illusion of I, right? Outside of my preferences. So it's more or less what's operating. If we're operating in a state of, of clarity and empathy without uh, walls and illusions and concepts to break us off, then that, that experience in itself is immediately unifying, which I guess we would label as good. Right. Whereas the more uh, we get locked up in our idea of ourself or our idea of what should be done versus, you know, uh, what, what we we are, um, the more we get locked up in our ego. Basically, the more distortion we cause, the more damage we, we embody just because that's the state of mind that we're in. That's the reality that we've we've walked into or that we're expressing or that we're reflecting, however you'd like to say. Um, so it's just interesting to me that as much as it is just what it is and there is no influence and there's everything's just doing what it's going to be doing for eternity. So there is no end result to this. There's no mass awakening as it were that doesn't take away from our experience as what is in, in terms of which direction we're going or which direction we feel ourselves going towards. Right. And, and again, I, like, I understand what you're saying is there is no I and that's very true, but the I that I'm not still gets hungry and looks for a sandwich. Yeah, that's that's the apparent body. It still has all of these wants, needs, and desires, and that apparently continues. There's just no one owning and claiming it. Just what's happening. I'm claiming it. It was a good sandwich. Yeah, it's... I feel like there's... Like, as much as there isn't, you know, experience and nothing happening and, and no one here like there is also. And it's like, that is the, it's like, that is the, I don't want to say crux. It's yeah. Language, language sucks, you know, but um, it's like, there is still the apparent experience. There is still, the conversation being had here and now. So going back to just the idea of presence or present moment or whatever, that, that doesn't exist within time. Time exists within the moment. The moment is not describable. It is not understandable by the mind, but it still can be pointed towards and without identification of the self there is still that is what you are what i am is the eternal changing now in every single moment that things happen within like there are no doers but there is the experience of a doer and that which is done. And there is the experience of the observer and the observed. And, and it isn't, it may be an illusion, but it is still an experience being had. And I feel like to cling to the idea that there isn't is almost clinging, like clinging to an idea. And it, it's, it's something that can be conceptually expressed sort of, but reality is the experience and, and the actions and that which is being done 
here and now, which isn't a concept. It isn't an idea. Reality isn't words. It isn't anything that can be described. It can only be experience. And even saying something like experience is still, you know, using a word to describe something that is indescribable. So, but whatever it is, just is, and there are still things happening, whether it's within or without, you know, within or without aren't even good words to use, but it's, it's just here, which is nowhere because here can only be expressed through a dualistic expression of something, you know, there being a background, like pointing to a point on the map, there has to be something behind it. So, so saying here on an infinite, you know, tapestry is nowhere also. So saying there that you are here or you are nowhere is kind of the same thing. Once you get it, like once you get, you know, what we're talking about and everything happening here in this conversation, it's like the words you choose to use almost don't matter as much. And it's just seeing through that. And there is nothing to see through, but it's still the best I can do to to express it in a way. So as much as there isn't anything happening and there are, there is no one here, there is sort of. And it's it's kind of saying the same thing when you understand that it's not the truth, I think is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it this I think this message can also sound really dismissive. So um, it's it's really it's really not a comfortable message. So um, I wouldn't say that there is experiencing because again, I'm gonna to point to the, the energetic contraction. When it's gone, it's full on just what it is. So you can say there's just full on pain, but it's for no one. And, and you can say there's apparent interaction and apparent this speaking happening, but it's, it's just full on boundaryless energy. Um, I just, yeah, I wouldn't use the word experience. I get what you're, I get what you're saying that no word will describe this. Um, and so as much as there is no one feeling, there is. Um, yeah, I, this is just a description here. So it's, it's just full on. Mine, mine too, though right yeah yeah so it, it's just it's just full-on you can call it pain but it's just energy and it feels like it's not even really located in the body because there's no inside outside um so there's just this energy and even even a lot of thoughts is just like a lot of energy and it's not claimed or owned by anyone it's just full-on what it is that's interesting. I, it's, the fact it's not claimed or owned by anybody is absolutely correct, but it's it's still experienced as what is, right? So it's not that it's owned by what is so much as it is an expression 
of what is, right? And, and I guess that that's kind of what we're saying here as well is that the idea that everything is nothing or that none of us are, are, are our characters, you know, that, that's very much true, absolutely. But if you wanted to really break it down, then that means that we're all just, the, we're all just what is, right? Like it, it, even the experience of having this conversation is part of what is each and every moment in, in within this conversation, each and every sound on its own, ah, blah, all of this is just part of what is, right? And we're just experiencing the sequence that, uh, of that in terms of how it's expressed for our particular variations of the character, right? But that, that's the thing is that it's always what is experiencing the division from itself or experiencing the perception of the division from itself. And so as much as it's true that we're all nothing, we're also everything. It's just that everything is, is tends to be a concept in instead of just pure potential. And I think too, you know, whether you say nothing or everything, there's no, there's no difference there. Cause like what I was just saying is, is with the background and needing something relative to another. And you can, you can express this in different ways with things we talk about in our society, things like, you know, tall and short, skinny, fat, rich, poor. There was no objective in any of those, just like nothing and everything. There is no objective way to express that in reality, really, besides conceptually, like nothing is just a word. Everything is just a word. There is no objective rich versus poor. It's all relative to how you see things. And from your perspective, sort of that, that spotlight consciousness and same with, you know, to say that you're, I'm, I'm a skinny person. It's like, there's no objective there. It's all, it's all relative and, and to be nothing or to be everything. So difference because it, it's relative something within everything or something within nothing is, is the relativity to that. And I think that is where, you know, the illusion comes into play is everything within, whether you say nothing or everything is the experience, which is nothing or everything or whichever words you want to use, but it still is, seems to be something, I guess, is, is the best way I can say it. It seems to be something within nothing or something within everything, but we know it isn't. Like we know that it's not. And I think that's where the understanding comes in. So whether, you know, whatever term you want to use with, with less identification, it's just the realization that whatever seems to be isn't, but it still seems to be. I mean, everything goes full circle. I'm just going to say this quickly in terms of, of it making sense, right? Because the dream of reality is the definition of real. So you can't really play with words like dream and real or illusion and real, right? Because there is no such thing as unreal. I would say it's the unreal reeling. So it's simultaneous. It's nothing, everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's totally fair. I, I'm with you because... Yeah. And yeah, language, you know, but yeah, it's just, I think it just comes back to, it isn't what you think it seems to be, but it isn't so. And 
however you want to express that, it just comes back to understanding that it isn't the truth. This experience is happening, sort of, but it isn't the truth. We sort of feel like, you know, we cling to sometimes a little bit of identity and it's useful. You know, the, the idea of ego, we've expressed this before, is sort of your ticket to experience the illusion of duality. So a lot of people get caught up in talking about ego death or saying how ego is, is so bad and they want to, they want to kill it and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you need your ego to experience this illusion of duality. We wouldn't be able to you know, refer to Suzanne without some semblance of ego. If I said, what do you think of this? Neither of you would know which one I was referring to. So it's just the sense of self, though it isn't the truth, is still sort of the ticket to experience. And while it isn't the truth, and it only seems to be real, it isn't real, but that's okay too. And there isn't a right or a wrong with that. It just is. We just are. And there isn't really a great way to say it, but it just, it just is. And the experience is only what seems to be, though it isn't what actually is. It's not the truth. Like all we ever experience is, is the present, is now. But that doesn't mean that we're not also experiencing the procession of time, right? Like, so if reality was just a, a single domino in the process of falling, our experience of reality is that single domino after another domino. So it's just that we see the, the dominoes falling, even though there's only one goddamn domino and it's not moving, right? So it's, it's interesting that while there is no time and all of this is an illusion and so on and so forth, the world that we're waking up into or the world that we're experiencing or the world or the characters that we've crawled our way out of or out of believing in is largely based on that character. It's largely based on the idea of that character. And what's interesting is that the insight that we're having, doesn't matter how we're communicating, it doesn't matter which words we use or don't use, doesn't matter in, in general, but that insight itself is changing everything that we do. Just the fact that that, that insight is know, expressing itself through us or embodying itself, to however you'd like to say it. I'm not gonna say that we're inspired by the insight because we are the insight at the end of the day, but it's just that the insight itself is changing us, is changing our conversation. Right. And that conversation is changing our ripples. And so Suzanne, I'm just, I'm just wondering, uh, you've been doing your YouTube channel for a while and having these conversations in general. Um, how, how have you found, cause you mentioned you've been on this path for about eight or nine years. Um, are you finding in the last year or two there to be a kind of a difference in tone into how this, this particular conversation is, is, uh, resonated with or accepted? Um, by people I communicate with you uh, just in general, um, just your average state of being. I know when I used to just, it didn't even matter what I would do if I just went out to, say, a community barbecue, I could just sit down and not talk and immediately watch the, the crowd split into two based on who was relaxed and who was trying to identify themselves. And so just in general, as you go through your life, because um, you've also mentioned that there can be some turbulence when you're trying to get this across to people. And, and so when you're not trying to get this across, when you're just being yourself, in general, um, how are you finding that experience? Like when you're not thinking about Suzanne, are, are you finding there's more of a flow or, or rather are you finding there's more of a sensitivity to that flow when Suzanne's not in the way? 
Um, I know, language. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> um, I, I think, uh, I, I don't know if this is answering the question, but there, there's a very, it seems like there's a big difference between, um, so I, I wouldn't even use the call ego. I don't really know what that is, but I'm just going to refer to the energetic contraction. So before that, when I was on a spiritual path, it did feel as if I was in flow, as if I could be present and I could be more aware and um, yeah, feel more at peace. Um, so that seemed to be the experience. But I would say after the, the me sense dropped, which it never really does, but after, um, it, it doesn't seem like someone is living life in flow. It's just full on what it is. And um, in a way, so it seems like the thoughts don't even go much into the past or in the future. So it's just like, the thoughts seem like it's just like what's going on. Um, and so it really does seem like future, present, past is just like non-existent. Um, and yeah, I guess it's very hard to describe. If I'm interacting with someone, it's, um, yeah, apparent words are just spoken and there's not really a, a a conscious effort of what's how it should go or anything like that um and then there and then afterwards it, it's kind of as if it never even happened it just disappears so um yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't even say that it's a flow or anything see i would describe that as the definition of a flow that's that's perfect because there's no me holding on to anything there's not even something you're flowing through it's like a, a water droplet trying to figure out where am i in the river it's you are the river right there's no way that you can you can measure that progress or you can measure that that uh, conceptually at all so no, that was a great description that's 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 very much uh, akin to something to what i experience most of the time it's just I'm just doing I'm just whatever it is and, and and then before i know it the day is over and and then i'm doing whatever it is and it dream and nothing really changes from one experience to the other except you know the the stability of the story I, I guess you could say like I know in Ray's story there's a certain time that I wake up and go to work and do all that stuff whereas you know in in, in the story that exists when I let go of Ray when I go to sleep for example um it's just it's just another story same character well not same character same I different characters Right. So it's kind of an interesting thing that it just goes, it's just a flow. Life and a dream are very much the same. And it's interesting that you're experiencing that. Yeah, I, I certainly find that there's a lot less. And I guess, you know, when you're saying that too, like no past, present, future, you know, it's kind of the present, right? It, it's what we, it's the best way we can in this illusion of duality express the experience of what is here and now and and you know whether you prefer awareness or not the awareness of what is here and now whatever semblance of however i can you know see this computer screen in front of me and and 
hear your voices and comprehend them and in whatever way that that is but there isn't you know i find myself when i when we do podcasts or something for example this is very much sort of that flow state where it's it's nothing is happening and yet words are coming to me and i'll start talking without any idea of where it is going but it it goes and it continues and words continue and sometimes it makes more sense than others but here we are and afterwards i can almost never remember what was said during it and and i find that just in conversations in general without a sense of me there is no concern for how it is being taken or understood there is no hope or desire with it in any way it is just being expressed for the sake of being expressed and just a conversation for the sake of a conversation without anybody there to to say it or experience it but it is still happening and it is much more that flow and whether you know flow is just another word but it's still i think the best way you can express kind of existence without the illusion of duality and and when you sort of become that which you are doing like i am speaking it's not that i am andrew who is speaking it is i am speaking like i am the act of speaking right now whatever you are doing whatever action verb you are performing is is what you are because there is no separation speaking couldn't happen without me so there is no separation between them and it is just being expressed you know for no one or for myself as everything so whether whether it's no one there or everyone there it's kind of same thing and and saying everyone i understand there's a lot of identification because you kind of think of you know the 8 billion people on earth or something like that but it's you know every everything still it's still like things that are separate almost so i guess no one might be a better term in general for that but it's it's the infinite everything and, and nothing expressing itself to itself for eternity in the present moment which are again all you know descriptions which are never the described but it's i think we're we're kind of on the saying the same thing just in in our unique perspective and you know languages and and things we are have come to understand it through um but again i think it's it's above all else sort of the the conversation more so than than the words being chosen when it comes to this sort of in the application topic. i would say in the application and if that's that's the one thing that i found more or less over the last 20 years is, is really the, the biggest uh, obstacle to a lot of people is, is getting past the cerebral stuff to the point where it is actually just what you are it's, it's no longer a journey to that understanding so much as just the basis of, of your existence the basis of your experience right and and that doesn't take away from from any of the other stuff you can experience but it certainly changes your perspective of what you're doing and why you're doing it and what's real and what's not and everything else so it changes your motivators and i, I think that that's a large thing that or a large obstacle for a lot of people is the idea that there really is no motivator 
there, there's no there's no carrot and stick when, when you're free of your character as it were so it's more or less just what it is and what you're doing but that freedom in itself is kind of its own reward as much as it's not a, re a reward it's just what it is um it was interesting i was having this thought the other day just kind of making dinner and i kind of had a, a little laugh about it too that as much as i am the observer observing my reality i am also my reality observing me which i find really interesting yeah it's like without the illusion of of that division it's kind of define yourself as as whatever you please and all of a sudden it's like are you you know this aware of this character or this character aware that it is aware of this character or no character whatsoever or, or everything and yeah it, it almost does become tough to talk about because nothing does it justice whatever terms that we use doesn't doesn't do it justice but still fun to talk about we still enjoy it this is our what 25th episode 23rd episode yeah so we we just like talking about it quite frankly for the sake of talking about it with no direction and no destination and no real goal for it but just for the sake of doing it and i think yeah i think going back to ray what you were just saying without the carrot and the stick that's i think that's part of the jarring turbulent sort of part of the initial understanding is is all of a sudden there's nothing that you're afraid of anymore but there's nothing you're necessarily feel like you have to strive for so it can get a little bit apathetic or apathetic early on it's just like well you know it's kind of like that pessimistic side of nihilism you know nothing matters but so why do anything as opposed to why not do anything and and it's very slight shift in in perspective but yeah it's uh because because why not basically is what is what i've come to and and there are still preferences that that arise in in this energy and so yeah i guess that's that's kind of the the point of the illusion of this duality but i have a question fun. for you suzanne because this is something that i i find myself you know coming back to from time to time obviously i didn't i'm not trying to get anywhere in my life and i haven't been for a long time but that doesn't mean that i stop doing things and i go down different paths and, and all of that um and i often find myself kind of stopping and going that's interesting how that kind of all unfolded over time regardless of my lack of of carrot or stick um what do you think about the emergence of your YouTube channel? Because I'm very curious about that because obviously it's just being expressed through you. You're doing it because you enjoy doing it, but the timing of it, the timing of the insights being expressed through you, the people who are listening to you, the people who are commenting, even the person who contacted me and said, contact Suzanne, right? That has to be interesting to you because there is no motivator. As you said, it's just what you are. It's just what you're doing. How do you, what do you think of the timing? Of, about uh, of your channel and channels that are uh, that are similar in terms of the conversation coming to the forefront in what we would I don't know indicate as our society. Mm. Mm. Um. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, I don't know. There's honestly, there's not that much analysis around it. But yeah, it's it's exciting. I've I haven't been on social media in so long, so it's quite uh, it was quite intense in the beginning. Um, 
but yeah, it's it it draws a lot of people who are very interested in this. So that's very that's very nice. Um, but it's also been interesting to to see how much um, how much hate this message also uh, attracts. So. I mean that's been that's been kind of nice to see like how I would deal with that and um, yeah and I, I completely understand why um, and so yeah I guess I guess just for like the character there's been a lot of growth apparently um, I guess a lot of toughening up. Um, a lot more not caring about what other people think. It's it's more like the praise is really appreciated. It's not, everything is so light though. The hatred is also light. So um, yeah, it just is what it is. And obviously there's a preference to, you know, resonate with others and things like that. So um yeah, it's just been overall very fun. It's been a real joy to just express. That's awesome. And, and I wonder about that because I feel the same way, right? Like, but is it a preference? Is it? Because it's obviously what I'm doing, right? And regardless of how I think about it, regardless of how I might identify it being as my preference, it's the action that's happening. It's what is, right? So that's part of the tapestry regardless of me trying to take ownership for it. Like I might say, well, I enjoy doing dualistic unity, but there's no me, as you've said, right? So that's really interesting to me because that indicates an action that I'm part of, right? And I know part of isn't exactly accurate because it implies some separation, but it's just interesting to me when I see, you know, because I came out of a pretty deep depression and social anxiety and everything else. I, I was depressed for about a decade and I had a lot of reasons to be, but there was a path. There was, there was um, kind of a, a commonality or a common thread out of that hell to, to awareness or freedom or whatever you would like to say it. And I see the same thing happening collectively. I see the same thing happening on a larger level. And so as these conversations are kind of coming about and people like you and me and Andrew are saying like, well, I guess it's just because I enjoy it. Is it? Is it just because we enjoy it? Because the timing in conjunction with all these other conversations by people who enjoy it seems really interesting to me because I had this conversation 20 years ago. It was not this well received. I, I was running from people with torches and pitchforks half the time, you know, expecting people to throw fruit. Now, now it's like, it's like collectively we're almost emulating an individual who is at the tail end of an addiction. And they're almost willing to listen to the voice of reason a little bit more, or, or rather it's almost like they're having that, that insight in themselves. Cause we are that person. We are that addict We're the word thoughts within that addict's mind. Right. So yeah, I just, I find it really interesting that there is no us and yet we're preferring to have this conversation. We're, we're enjoying it. We're feeling the enthusiasm that drives us towards the next one. And that just kind of indicates a cascade, but of course that's not possible because everything is now. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's cool. Um, but yeah, in a sense, you're, you, you are right. Like, it, it does seem like this message seems a lot more um, 
not well received, but like there is a growing audience. So almost like it's necessary now. And like it's kind of like when I was uh, drinking really, really heavily and people would say like, you're destroying your life. And I would never listen to them until I started actually going, shit, I think this is destroying my life. And then all of a sudden the people who were saying it made a lot more sense to me, but it's because I had to come around to the point where they did make sense. And then I could hear them like they were clear as day. Right. And, and so I, I find that that's something that I've noticed on dualistic unity is that we just talk, we do this every week. Like it's just for the sake of the conversation. Admittedly, I mean, we, we almost use it as an excuse just to kind of wax philosophical and have a good conversation. Um, but as a result, there are people who wouldn't have found this conversation otherwise and, and who, have all, uh, who have all voiced, I have nowhere to talk about this stuff. I have nowhere, nobody in my life to have this conversation with. And I went through that 20 years ago. And I think it's interesting that you and Andrew and I and other people, lots of other people are suddenly just there as resources, as all of a sudden all of these other us's or all these other parts of ourselves are, are, are coming to, to wake up. The environment they're waking up in isn't so resistant because we're a part of it. Yeah. 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 We are. We are that environment. That, so all you have to do is to change that environment is, you know, change yourself or, or this idea of you that you have not control over, but something, something there, <laughs> maybe. But um, yeah, I'm curious with uh, with the YouTube stuff because I'm. I'm on pretty much every platform out there and have a decent audience on TikTok. That's that can be a ruthless place. I don't know if you've ever delved into that, but it's it's kind of funny just how because people, you know, there's a lot of people on it and they can hide behind anonymous usernames, no profile picture. It's not like as much Instagram or Facebook or I guess YouTube's kind of similar. People can be anonymous much more easily, but yeah, it's, it's funny coming across those very, those people who are clearly very identified with a state of mind or a point of view. And when it is questioned, no matter what your intention is, if there is an intention there, or I guess we can argue that, but um, whatever that is there, no matter what, they will find something to pick apart or get angry about no matter what you're no matter how helpful you're trying to be or how neutral you're trying to be and just expressing that you know you don't exist but it makes sense because that you is the one commenting on the video saying how what a horrible message it is and how it's it's disassociation and this is a horrible disease and, and you should go see help because you're disassociating and it's, you don't understand how this will impact people. Mm. And I think there is, I don't know, sometimes I get caught up in, in feelings of that. And especially with how turbulent my couple months after realizing this, it's like, I don't know, do I want to put someone down this path? <laughs> I don't know, but I like talking about it or, you know, have some enjoyment in it. And I do think that overall it is freeing because I think that identity, that sense of self is the root of majority, if not everyone's suffering. It's hard to think of something that you're afraid of without thinking of the sense of self. 
So do you wrestle with those thoughts ever or what kind of messages do you have like common responses, something like that, where, where someone's like, this is a terrible message and it's clear that they're coming at it from a very dualistic sort of egotistical perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, I, I think there was a lot more energy, so I would respond. Um, and, but now it just seems like if it's just, if it's just seems like pure hate, I just delete it because I don't have the energy anymore to even attempt to respond. There's no interest anymore. Um, but yeah, in, in the beginning, it seemed like there was like, oh shit, do I want to continue this? Cause it's like, this is a lot. Um, and, and there was also the thought of like, do I want to spread this message? Um, because it was, it, it's, um, uh, it was, it was horrific at times here. So yeah, going, going through a death of you that it doesn't really happen, but it feels so real and it feels horrific to die before the body dies is not an easy thing. So do I, there are, there are times where I wouldn't wish this on anyone. There are times where I'm just like, yeah, just continue living your life. Um, this is why I don't speak about this with people who aren't necessarily interested or directly asking me because there is no interest in putting you through a death before the body dies. So um, it's okay. It's, you know, you do you. That's fair. And so as a life coach, um, often, because I, I called myself a life coach, but I'm obviously not, I would have to put it on my cards because there was really no other way for me to identify that people would look up my service is how they were going to look up, you know, some guy who knows things. And, and, and so um, I would put life coach and they would come in and it would very much be about just coming to terms with the fact that they're invested in a benefit that's causing their consequence. That's it. Right. And, and as soon as they could see, Oh, there's a benefit to me going down this road of questioning myself. It became a different conversation, but until they see the benefit until they actually understood, because they're still in the carrot and stick mentality. Right. So you're almost enticing their ego to destroy itself. Right. In, in that you're just saying like everything you want, everything your ego is promising you. You know, um, intelligence, freedom, flexibility, creativity, blah, 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 all exists beyond the ego, beyond your belief in it. And all you have to do is start questioning it. And all of a sudden their ego, not realizing that it's, you know, counteracting itself starts going, yeah, I want more of that. Perfect. Let's start questioning why. Short circuit, almost immediately. And, and it's because what we're talking about, while you can take it to its extreme end, which I always enjoyed doing, I used to go to churches and mosques and, and, and all kinds of stuff, just to kind of have this conversation on the deep end, the more applicable stuff, which is the same, it's the same conversation, right? But it's just taken to specific circumstances, whether you're suffering through anger or frustration, or you're suffering through um, being codependent or anything else, it always comes back to that same you're not what you think you are. You are not the character that you're committing to, that you're over committing to in terms of energy and attention and focus and, and, and trying to establish your sense of value from that. And, and so, yeah, over time, I, I think what I found is that that very big tool to get to the deep end can be broken up into tiny, tiny little tools that are infinitely useful along the path as that person's kind of moving um, in that direction. But it's always just kind of finding the parts of their story or the parts of them that's already going in that direction because it, typically it's there even on the extreme end of depression there are there are little things 
from moment to moment. That's kind of a glimmer of that person trying to see the other direction, trying to see their way out of the illusion. So I, I found that the insight we're, we're talking about at the end of the day is a lot like a Swiss army knife. It's just more or less getting the sensitivity for what part of it is the right tool for the job or, or what part of it fits into the conversation seamlessly without it being forced in there. Um, I don't know if that, that's just something I've experienced over time um, where conversations become a lot easier. I'm not trying to get anywhere and yet they, they seem to be more effective for the person I'm talking to. Just wondering if you've experienced the same. Um. Sorry, can you recap? <laughs> um, so basically, I, as we're applying this insight, because that's really what this is, like this conversation is a lot of fun and we can get super into the deep end of it, but in the application of getting out of our way, as, as we really take it in and move farther and farther out of our way, we talk to people who, who don't see things that way. They still think that they are what they think they are. And, and where before I used to try and find a way to help them or I'd want to try and find a way to help them, I don't anymore and what I find is that it's just through that it's through that getting out of the way through, through again just being what I am that the impact that that they open themselves up to it's not the impact that I have but it's almost like I become a, a more resonant tool for their reality something that they they can tap into easier because I'm out of the way right so it's almost like it's like I always say you, you can't teach being it can only be shared um, and, and I've just found that that's that's something that just continues to get easier and easier and easier over time, which is odd because I've actually left life coaching. Um, but that, that's something I experienced when I was life coaching is that if I went into a coaching session as a coach, it went terribly. If I went into a coaching session without me, with me, they went perfectly. Nice. Yeah. Um, I guess so. Um... Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like there's anyone here uh, trying to be a certain way anymore. So it's, yeah, um, I, I guess I guess the parent helpful words are just, yeah, s seems to be spoken. Whether it's helpful or not, it there really is no agenda. So um, yeah, if it's helpful, great. If it's not, yeah. And that's up to them, right? All you can do is, is just be the seed thrower that you are, right? Mm, yeah, it does. It does seem like people who aren't interested in this um, that I'm still in contact with. Yeah, there there is an underlying lightness to our interaction. So, and there really doesn't seem to be an agenda. So, yeah, it's just like it's just what it is so I guess it does seem like people open up a little more in general but um yeah there's no real noticing of it it's just like it'll unfold whatever way it unfolds that's fair admittedly I'm old so I've spent a lot of time noticing mm. yeah I, I certainly find that to be the case and a lot of interactions that I have when you go in even if it's just hanging out with someone when you go in without an idea of yourself or an idea of want out of the situation or desire to get something from them, you know, like an expectation. And I think that kind of ties in with something I talk about a lot is just like the idea of not caring about what people think of you. And, and I think though it's not malicious when people do 
care a lot about what people think of them, you know, exist in that sort of state. There's an expectation that comes along with any, every interaction that they have and they act in a certain way and try to be a certain way and try and be this, this character that will be liked. So they act in a way that someone that they're expecting the other person to like them. So although it's not, you know, malicious or, or supposed to be or purposefully manipulative, it almost is in a way. And so, and people don't like hearing that because they say, oh, you're, you're like victim blaming, or I don't know what they come up with these days, but it's like saying that you're blaming someone for caring or calling them manipulative for caring about what other people think when it's like, you know, an illness they're experiencing or however they want to describe it with whether it's, you know, social anxiety, anxiety, or some variation of that. And they get angry because I'm kind of saying that you're being manipulative if you care about what people think of you, because when you go into situations, there is a need there, there is a want, there is an expectation. And so I found that my relationships and experiences and interactions have just, like you said, Suzanne, just gotten a lot lighter since I don't care whether or not they like me. I don't have an expectation and people can feel that. I think there's definitely a sort of energy, energetic feeling of expectation when someone is acting a certain way, whether it's openly obvious or just something that is more felt subconsciously, it's there. So I've, I found that too. And as someone who used to care a lot about what people thought of them, I, I've definitely had a noticeable shift. So I, I'm kind of curious in before you, maybe while you were in your spirituality phase of eight or nine years, kind of before sense of me dropped off, were there certain specific things you struggled with or, or wrestled with? a lot expectations or whether it was, you know, familial expectations or friends or certain senses of nervousness, things like that. Were there, were there things that like that, that you, you dealt with before that you remember specifically? Um, it was a lot of suffering. So yeah, just intense self-criticism, um, social anxiety, depression, um, self-hatred, you name it. I feel like a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma. Uh, mm, Yeah, I I, health issues. um, Yeah, I feel like there was a lot. Yeah. Did you, did you find specifically for the health? Cause that's something that interests me. I almost feel like, you know, I, I feel and look healthier without so much fucking identification all the time. And such a strong sense of me that it's like, it's like stress is such a sickness and then resistance is almost a sickness that we've become so accustomed to. Did you find that your, your health markers, whether you actually measured them or not, or just feelings kind of got better in this sort of state transition in a period? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say so. Um, I guess it's a little bit hard to 
distinguish because um, before the sense of me dropped, I was I was so dedicated to my teacher at the time, like maybe for seven, eight months. I, w- I wasn't really working either. It was just meditation and self-inquiry and being, being devoted to her and God. And it was intense. Um, and, and kind of like, I guess, allowing trauma to come up. So, it, I mean, it was really painful, but by the end, the apparent end, um, it seemed like there was just a lot more peace but there was still this seeking energy, which was the sense of me. It was still seeking wholeness. It didn't feel like it was enough still. Um, so then when the sense of me dropped, there wasn't a lot, it didn't, it didn't seem like there was a lot of trauma in the body. It, it seemed like it was energetically it was processed. So I wouldn't say there's a huge, huge, difference um because of that and also also there's it just seems like now there's no one here really assessing and comparing so much it's just like what it is so if even if the body feels a little sick it's just like what it is so it's either just taken care of or apparently i eat a little healthier, like I exercise, there's not a super analysis of like what's happening. It just happens. If the body's in pain, it happens. So, um, but yeah, I guess in general, like, yeah, the body seems to feel better. Yeah. It's like, it's like, there's no identity as a sick person. It's just sickness arising. I've definitely felt that as well. And then there's without so much attachment and, and worry about feeling sick. It's like, it it almost like inevitably doesn't stay around as long. So one more question before you, so it sounded like that those seven to eight months with your teacher, you kind of were able to work through a lot, but you were still clinging to a sense of seeking or, or desire for wholeness. Was that sort of the last I don't want to say like obstacle or something, but was that sort of the last thing that I guess what I'm asking is, is those years of spirituality or those seven, eight months with your teacher, were there, was there things that that still couldn't like overcome that when the sense of me dropped, you did sort of, because I definitely felt that like, I've been sort of like on a spiritual journey for a few years, but then my sense of me dropped. There was like, there was no more worry or fear. So were there, were there certain things that like that spiritual journey couldn't really do that almost immediately fell away once that sense of me dropped? Yeah. A lot of things dropped. Um, yeah, I guess psychological fear of death isn't here. Um, everything has a lightness to it. So even when there's heartbreak and immense pain, there's a lightness to it. So um, 
I'm having a hard time remembering exactly what dropped, but a lot dropped, a lot. And there's not really a remembering right now, but there's just a, there's an okayness to everything and anything. And, and, and I can, there can still be immense heartbreak and crying, intense crying, intense pain in the body, but there's an okay, underlying okayness with it. Um, it doesn't really matter what happens. There, there's a preference to not be in pain, to not have heartbreak, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just what it is. That was beautifully said. That's very true. It's, uh, it is what it is. And, and again, it's funny that our acceptance of what is changes our experience of what is, which I find to be a really interesting uh, rabbit hole because you can just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper until you disappear entirely with, and realize you were never there to begin with. And so this has been a fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed having you here. I mean, if this was, if this wasn't exactly why we entitled this podcast Dualistic Unity, nothing is because it is it's just a dualistic experience of something that's not dualistic it's not divided um so before we wrap up here i just wanted to say thank you again for joining mm -hmm. us having this conversation going back and forth and playing with language which can never really get to the point anyway but kind of revolved around it for quite a bit there so that was a lot of fun um, i'm hoping that we can have you back on the podcast in the near future maybe even on a roundtable episode where you Andrew and I can talk to another person and, and just keep this going. Um, before we wrap up, I was hoping that maybe you could tell our audience a little bit about where they can find you, uh, whether you have a website address, and of course, if you have any uh, tips or suggestions for anybody who's still struggling through that spiritual part of their journey, because I know quite a few people in our audience are, um, I would love for you to just uh, leave that for them before we wrap up. Mm. Um, yeah, you can find me on my YouTube channel, Suzanne Non-Duality, and my website is suzannechang.net. Um, yeah, you could book a private session if uh, you're interested. Um, so I don't really give advice, but I, I mean, if I see someone in pain and suffering and they have a specific question, then something might arise, but... Uh, I guess mainly what's being shared here is just the radical message. So there is no advice in that sense. That's totally fair. I always tend to think of it not as giving advice so much as talking to another variation of my path, right? So I'm kind of just leaving a, a gem that once upon a time I, I might've been enthusiastic to find and pick up. Mm. Nice, yeah, thank you guys so much. This was super fun. Thank you, Suzanne, so much. This is a great conversation. I, I had a lot of fun going back and forth. And and yeah, I was very excited for this conversation. And yeah, it exceeded any expectations that I may have had. So yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you, guys. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will see you next week for episode 10. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Bye, everyone.